It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Pallast. And this is Dennis Bernstein here with Greg Pallast. Uh, Greg, it's getting more and more exciting. Uh, the film <laughs> that you are putting together, that you are getting ready to release, is so on the freaking mark. It's unbelievable. Things are happening, shall we say, in Georgia, in Atlanta, that are going to determine the future of this country. And a lot of it's going to happen around the election battle, election fraud, what that fight looks like and what we know about what is going to happen on the ground before it happens, before it's too late. That's the work you're involved with. Greg, welcome back. And, uh, well, things are moving Right along, we see Fanny, the district attorney, Fanny Willis from uh, Georgia, was actually focused. She was the focus of a major Washington Post article. People are starting to say, well, maybe this is this is the one where it's all going to happen, where it's all going to break loose. Well, yeah, I mean, the it all comes down to Georgia, as all the other media is saying. You've got Reverend Warnock running for re-election as senator. That will determine... The fate, uh, you know, who controls the United States Senate? So Georgia is, is uh, central to all, to all of us, and of course, Stacey Abrams is having a rematch with Governor Brian Kemp. So we've been investigating for our ninth year in Georgia. I keep getting dragged back to Georgia, and uh, we have made a film, Vigilante: Georgia's Vote Suppression Hitman, about Brian Kemp and his vigilante posse, and uh, we put out a, a little um, minute and a half clip. And it's gone wild for good reason. Let me set this up because if you can't see the pictures on your radio, so let me tell you what you're about to hear. You're going to hear a guy from a nice uh, white gentleman. I have to say white because it's important for you to understand what you're not seeing on your radio. You got a you got a guy who is a um, who is dressed up like the vigilante Doc Holliday, who, by the way, was a Georgian. Uh, and the reason why we know him from uh, Oklahoma, <laughs> Tombstone Territory, and the OK, uh, and and the shootout at the OK Corral, where he was, you know, buddied up with the Wyatt Earp. That's how most Americans know Doc Holliday. But he had actually fled Georgia. Uh, I found out because he had uh, right after the Civil War, he he kind of ducked out of serving in the Civil War for the Confederates. He was a Georgian. But uh, he was hiding out in southern Georgia when he found came across a few black soldiers, African-American soldiers who were part of the Union Occupation Force after um, at the end of the Civil War and during the Reconstruction, whose sole purpose, by the way, according to the professors we talked to, their sole purpose was to protect black voters. Uh, and they should have stayed for a couple hundred years. That would have been helpful. Yeah. 150 years we could use them. Now. So you had uh, black soldiers uh, swimming in a watering hole. And um, uh, Doc Holliday gunned them down in cold blood. So he fled to the Western territories, the lawless Western territories, where he then put on a badge and, and proclaimed himself the law. And, and that's where he had the shootout. So it's important now. So why do I bring this up? Because if you watch the film, you'll meet Doc Holliday. That is his new reincarnation, a guy who dresses up like Doc Holliday, has a, a six-gun, which is, by the way, fully loaded and lots of bullets on his belt. And he is also, <laughs> as you'll find out, he is a, the chairman of the Republican Party. And he has... He is at the center of a massive 
program of challenging over a quarter million voters, all almost all of them black. And then you'll hear another voice of the man he, one of the men he challenged, a black soldier who is assigned out here in California and therefore asked for his absentee ballot, but was denied his ballot because of the challenge from Doc Holliday. So they met. Okay. Let's, <laughs> here, let's, here let's you listen are to in that. The film. Let's listen to this. Here we go. Right now, I'm the chairman of the Columbus Muskogee Republican Party. Well, I'm I'm pretty involved in that, which I think is the right. Let's see, that would be the right way to be, and also I'm on the right. Apparently, um, you had filed some challenges to four thousand voters. Yes. No ballot. No ballot in the mail. Called the register and. The announcement there was, Mr. Turner, you have been challenged. Major Gamaliel Turner is the military's expert on future warfare. I project weapons and capabilities out to the future. You know, for me, it's all about the survival of the soldier. Assigned to Fort Wainini in California. So you're telling me 2,600 miles away, two days or three days before an election, that if I want to vote, all I have to do is show up and prove as an American citizen that I have the right to vote again. You talk to fools like that. You talk to fools like that. I'm not a fool. I mean, that's pretty powerful because tough guys don't usually cry. But uh, this kind of wound, this removing the vote, particularly down south, where so much blood was spilled, uh, fighting for the vote, Greg, this is, this is, of course, what informs in the deepest way the film you were working on. Yeah, so you actually, so you have this warrior, I mean... He's career military. We go out to him in California, and, you know, yeah, he uh, he burst into tears because he said, you know, I've been through this. And you have to understand, it's not just any warrior, and, of course, he's important to our defense, and he made that decision. Uh, his father is Reverend Harold Turner. Now, many of you, uh, if you're not from the South, you may not know him. He was the co-founder with Martin Luther King and Ralph Abernathy, of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. These, this, we, he, his father was one of the people that basically created the civil rights movement. And the planning, as you'll find out in the film, was actually done when he was a kid at his house because uh, Martin Luther King and Ralph Abernathy were frankly afraid, uh, with good reason, because it happened many times, that uh, if they were caught meeting to plan their civil rights actions, that they would get arrested or beaten or worse. And so they went through backyards to the uh, major's father's house, to Reverend Turner's house, where they could meet secretly and, and plan their actions. 
So this guy grew up at the center of the civil rights movement, even though he was very unhappy to have been uh, drafted into uh, into the military during the war in Vietnam period. He decided that the best way to move the civil rights movement forward was to be in the military. And this was the thanks he got. He's assigned to California, and they take away the Republican Party. And again, these are vigilantes. These are not public officials. These are party officials. And this guy challenged 4,000 voters successfully, by the way. Now, except for Major Turner, he said, I have to fly 2,600 miles. Well, he did. He went to Georgia. He wasn't going to put up with this. But... You know, that's a heck of a poll tax, isn't it? So this is the type of thing that's going on now, right now. And there's no prosecution of this game, which there ought to be. This is, you know, and under so now uh, under the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, which says you cannot harass voters, especially when you're targeting voters of color. But now we move to, you mentioned, and, and you can't, uh, you know, split these things. It is a tight, tight battleground. By the way, the polls are showing Herschel Walker one percentage point ahead of Senator Warnock. Stacey Abrams is, is in a statistical heat with Brian Kemp. And, you know, I'll leave it to the voters to make the decision, but apparently Kemp is not. That's why he's um, launched this massive vigilante voter attack. At the same time, of course, you've got pressure from Donald Trump and his gang, and that's what Fannie Willis, who is the prosecutor of Fulton County, which is Atlanta, is bringing. And today she kind of laid out her case uh, in an interview with the Washington Post. It's unusual. She says her view is that she should be transparent about what she's doing. And there are four key things that she's looking at. First, false claims to the government. And that would really impact that. There's Rudy Giuliani, who gave testimony under oath to the Georgia legislature saying, I have absolute evidence of massive voter fraud in Georgia. And they, by the way, they sent the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Georgia has its own like little FBI and it has its own voting police, which is kind of scary. But they actually went out hoping to hunt down the proof for uh, President uh, Trump and, and Mr. Giuliani. And uh, they trace it down, and the head of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation said, this is all nonsense. We're, we're harassing these people. And it's, he was actually felt bad. He said they're, we're, you know, they're being accused of felony crimes and just some, someone dropping off their family's ballots in a ballot box. And they were able to hunt down every one of these accusations and said they were all nonsense. Uh, so it wasn't like they, not only couldn't Giuliani prove it, the, the Georgia Bureau spent time and money, months, to hunt down each claim. And it was baloney. The second possible felony charge, solicitation of election fraud. Now, this is Donald Trump's call to the Secretary of State, Ravensburger, uh, find me, you know, 11,000 and some votes. In other words, put me one vote over Joe Biden. Uh, was he soliciting voter fraud? That's going to be the hardest charge to prove because you have to, there might be some issue of intent. You know, did, did Trump know what he's talking about? You know, Trump can always make a case that I don't know what I'm ever talking about. <laughs> it's a defense. Hey, the third uh, charge that they're looking at, the only charges are, and I think the most serious one, fake electors, where you had a bunch of 16 people said, we are the elected electors of Georgia. They were never on the ballot. They just proclaimed themselves electors. That could well be mail fraud, uh, fraud upon uh, Congress. That, and that gets us into the RICO. That's 
Yes. That gets us into the organized crime. That's uh, organized part of crime. This. It's and organized she is an expert crime, you know? on she is an expert on Rico, which is really an interesting part of her presentation. Yes, I mean, I have to say that I think that she pushes those Rico statutes. Uh, she's just arrested twenty eight black rappers saying that they're part of a criminal racketeering conspiracy. I kid you not. She's pretty tough. She is one thing she isn't is partisan Democrat. Or um, you know, hunting down white people and letting black people off the hook. She is just one tough cookie. Um, she's you know, fierce. And, and there's questions. She's she's tough, but she has the Georgia racketeering law on her side, which is really tough, much tougher than the federal law. And finally, there is also the um, voting machine issue, where Sidney Powell, you know, a lawyer for Trump, uh, somehow got herself uh, her hands on in Coffee County some of the voting. Uh, the, uh, the the code and information and, and output from elections machines without authorization, you know, hunting for those fraudulent votes. Well, they stole this, you know, illegally obtained this uh, stuff. That's hacking, and it's against the law. But despite their, their massive, their willingness to commit crimes to um, approve voter fraud, um, they got the material and there was no fraud. But I also want to mention a case that isn't being discussed, cases that aren't being discussed. On the other side, Brian Kemp, the governor, and both when he was Secretary of State and now he's taking control as governor, has been bringing felony charges against black elections workers. So, for example, we talk about Coffee County where um, the, the voting machines were breached by Trump lawyer Sidney Powell and her gang. Uh, at the same time, Brian Kemp had charged the first black woman ever elected to the city council in Douglas, which is the, the seat of Coffee County. Uh, this woman's mother was head of the NAACP. Her name's Olivia Pearson. Olivia's mother was head of the NAACP in Coffee County, sued the county to change the voting system to allow district voting, which would allow for black people to be elected. You know, one in federal court, her daughter spent years registering people and then uh, won the seat and uh, was also helping people on election day. There are a lot of this is this is rural Georgia. There are a lot of illiterate people and a lot of disabled people because of the, you know, lack of medical care. Uh, so you have d disabled people and uh, illiterate people, people who can't handle that, that ballot. So they can fill out forms and request assistance. They did. And Olivia, being a, a public servant, that was part of her job. So she was, when people filled out forms requesting help, uh, she would help them explain how to use the voting machines. Well, they arrested her for felony interference in voting. And, of course, charges were thrown out, but she was facing five years in prison wow. for a felony crime. Wow. Spent, you know, spent like two years having to fight these charges. And of course, the jury threw it right out. Bango. But two years where she was financially ruined, emotionally ruined. This is the terror. And then guess what? As soon as she was freed by the jury, like almost instantly, Kemp had her charged again. And of course, that was oh thrown God. out. But and was a, he wouldn't stop. And, and he was parading around the state. Look, I'm getting these people, these evil People, they're all black, always, uh, who are, um, you know, who are uh, tampering with voting. And not only that, but uh, i give you another one. Ready for this one? Right now, Ense Ufot, who is 
she was head of the Canadian Bar Association. This is a big-time lawyer. She's, she took over Stacey Abrams' organization, New Georgia Project, massively registering voters. Some of the young registrars that they sent out to register students and, and elderly people were um, handed in the registration forms a couple days late. You have like 10 days to hand in forms, and they took like 12. Apparently, I mean, that's the, the grand accusation. It's a clerical issue, right? Do you know that these that they are now facing 10 years in prison each? And NSA is, is facing 10 years in prison for supposedly handing in registration forms two days late in in california any other state that's that's called a clerical issue <laughs> i'm laughing but these people are facing 10 years I'm I, laughing I know what, laughing laughing to keep from crying i mean this is yeah. i mean you're talking about georgia now but there are these yeah. kinds of struggles and these kinds of structures being created. This is where the battle uh, for the future of this country lies in these states and this uh, ability for local officials to really tie up the election, you know, file as many complaints as they want, really screw up the works and take over in the process. And we've seen how fragile the system is. Trump certainly pointed that out. Uh, and uh, it is really uh, what's going on, what you're documenting now in Georgia, which is, of course, the front line because all that's going on there is really a part of the future of elections in America unless something dramatically changes. We're, we're running uh, out of time, Greg. Yeah. This is, of course, our, our weekly time we spend with Greg Palestine, our election crimes bulletin. Uh, and we're always grateful uh, for the, the prescient cutting-edge work that you do, Greg, and obviously we're going to stay right on this, and we wish you the best of luck on the film. If people want to know more about the film, they can go to gregpalast.com and find out whatever they want. There's plenty of information there. Greg, um, we will talk to you next week. You got me, Dennis. Thank you. Bye.